Hi, I'm Mark Woods, back with another Page One podcast, and this is one I've been wanting to do ever since we started doing these, I don't know what it was, a year ago or so. I've been wanting to have today's guest on, but she kept saying, what's a podcast? Why do I want to do that? No. Um, I want to have Sandy Strickland on, and uh, so many people in town know Sandy, and um, we have a perfect excuse to have her on now. Um 50 years, right? Do we know what your start date is, Sandy? It was in December of 1969. So I think I think Andrew Pantazian looked it up, and I think he said December 8th. Did you know that was the exact no, date? No, how did he find that out? I did not know that. I think he had everybody's start date in uh, some, some files. So. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, yes. I'm, supposed to, I'm the one that's supposed to know all about right. the files. I'll have to Do check you, that out. So, but anyway, it was December 1969, so this is a fitting time. Not many, these days, I don't know how many people stay in one job for 50 years, let alone newspapers, but, yeah. I don't think they do anymore. I think they go from maybe one uh, profession to another. Right, and for yeah, we feel very, very fortunate to have had you here all these years, and that I've been fortunate enough the last, I guess, eighteen years to have worked with you. So, you do you remember that first day, first week, anything about when you started here? You know, it was. I think it was made easier for me because I had gone to high school and graduated in the same class with two of the people that I was working with. Sarah Woodhunt and Billy Bizard. Okay. And so I knew them. It was a friendly atmosphere. I felt welcome. Um, it was a very pleasant experience. So um, you, you went to Andrew Jackson High, right? I did. And then Florida Southern? Yes. And then came back after Florida Southern, you came back to Jacksonville. Was this, was this your first job? No, it was not. Oh, okay. What was your first job? In between summers and college, I worked for Manpower and Kelly Girls doing, uh, you know, temporary clerical work, maybe six weeks at one place, uh, a week at another. Hmm. But my first job, first full-time job, was at uh, the Daytona Beach News Journal because I'd gotten married and my husband had been transferred there. Okay. I didn't, I don't, and what did you cover there? I covered South Daytona City Hall. I covered three zoning boards, and I covered uh, general assignment features. I also had to work on Saturdays being the so-called cub reporter, and you <laughs> never knew what would uh, – happen then i remember there was a plane crash and i didn't have a car yet so i had to uh they had cars that we could drive but the only thing was that they were stick shift i had never driven a stick shift before so i had to take it out the plane had crashed off the interstate but i didn't know how to get it out of i believe second gear (laughs) So I'm, I'm crawling along there at something like 30 miles an hour. 
I've never driven a stick shift again. <laughs> um, so I'll take you back even far, farther. Um, Matt Sorgo has a really nice story. It hasn't run in the paper, but maybe by the time people are listening to this, it will have, it'll be online on jacksonville.com. But I went ahead and read it, and he um, tells, has some fun anecdotes in there, including going back to your first newspaper experiences were comics, right? My daddy, yes, he would read the comics to me before I could read. And we always took two papers, so it was ingrained in me the importance of newspapers. And he would even read to me the editorials, <laughs> which I didn't appreciate, you know, at the time, being so young. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to see that. Um, and do you remember anything about the comics? Yes, I do. Uh, Little Orphan Annie, Blondie and Dagwood, Steve Canyon, Terry and the Pirates, Rex Morgan, on stage, yes. And, you know, I think by fourth grade, you knew what you wanted to do? I did. So tell that story. that you, you, You wrote an essay that won an award? It was a good conduct award in elementary school, and so we, uh, they did a little piece for us on us, and it it appeared in the paper, um, and I remember saying that it said, Sandra wants to re- be a reporter one day, but I had grown up on the Judy Bolton, um, Kate Tracy, Beverly Gray, all the the teen reporter books. And so I wanted to emulate them. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah, in Matt's story, I think he, you told him you, you wanted to solve crimes. Is this right? This was news to me. I wanted to be a detective, yes, because I always like mysteries. <laughs> and so I thought it would be so exciting. And how many crimes have you solved? None. <laughs> I thought I almost did once, but no, it didn't work out. But I've had experiences that have been... Just as exciting, and I've interviewed crime victims, and that that was very poignant, you know. Right. And I've gone places that have just been, you know, really as captivating as, you know, as being involved, I think, in detective work. Mm-hmm. Um. So when you you first started out, you were you were working on a royal typewriter, yes, and taking notes in shorthand, which manual too. Yep, and I think you I, you were just showing me a, a picture from I don't know what year that was from, um, but yeah, all the men in white shirts and ties, and it just looked like that old school newsroom. Um, so when you when you started, was it kind of what I I picture the stereotype of? Um, yeah, the hard drinking, there's smoke in the newsroom, there's um, women are kind of sometimes relegated to these are so-called women's roles. Was that what, what it was like when you started? Partly. I don't think women were relegated. Um, but yes, there was some hard drinking going on among the men. <laughs> In fact, I think think they it would even find some liquor bottles in the desk drawers and our office was next to one of the editorial uh editors office 
And when they renovated the building, you could look the the newsroom area. You could look at the ceiling. Ours was pristine. Mm-hmm. His was cut, his was yellow, you know, from from nicotine. Uh, from smoke, cigarette smoking. He was a chain smoker, and the contrast was just so uh, evocative. But what I remember, too, is that there was one editor who was known for drinking, and he worked very early because it was the journal. I think he had to get to work at something like 4 a.m., and so his alarm went off, he got up, he came to work, there was no one there. Mm-hmm. I think he'd had a late night before, you know, with the sauce. But so he called his buddy that he worked with, woke him up and said, Where is everybody? Why aren't they at work? <laughs> and he said to him, It's a Saturday. <laughs> You're off today. <laughs> it's good. Um and do you, what did you, when you first started at the Times Union, what did you cover? I or co- were, were you at the, you were at the Times Union or the Journal? You were at the Times I was with the Journal until 1983. And, no, I was in Journal Features until 1983. And then David Crumpler and I switched. He was covering education. And so I was moved to cover education, and they brought him into Features. And so I was in the newsroom at that so point. So before that, from like 69 in the 70s and early 80s, what were you cover, covering? At first it was the women's department. Mm. And then that changed and it became the features department. And it was called, at one point, Accent. And mm. you did a lot of feature stories. And they were fun. I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, you met... In Matt's story, talk you met a lot of famous people. What ones stick out in your memory? So many of them stick out because they were ones that I had seen on the Late Show, you know. And mm-hmm. then to see them in the flesh, like uh, Cornell Wilde and Dana Andrews and Betty Grable and Pat O'Brien and Hugh O'Brien and um, just so many. You know, it's hard to remember them all um van johnson and his red socks (laughs) which he was wearing by the way and oh good times esther raw the funny thing about that is that i interviewed her on jacks at jacksonville beach and she was just enjoying the sunshine you know in her swimsuit and uh the photograph that was taken she was leaning back you know in her uh, deck chair and just with her arms outstretched, you know, and the sun <laughs> shining down. And that's where you did the interview too. It was on the beach. I believe so. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And Matt's story has a good Lawrence Welk story that I had never heard before. Yes, we went to meet him at the airport and greeted him. You know, as he came off the plane, and he was just so friendly. You know, and he gave me a bear hug, and then uh, the photographer and I followed him back to the Hilton Hotel where they were staying, and then we went into the lobby, and all of a sudden, he did a dance with me, 
and I've got two left feet. And I, and, and I was so nervous because this is a, the Champagne Music Man. You mm-hmm. know? And then at the concert, he had the uh, Tom Netherton come down and sing a solo. <laughs> sing, it wasn't a solo, but, but sang directly to me. And then after that, someone came over to me and said, are you kin to anybody here to get, <laughs> you know? That's a good one, yeah. Um, and you've interviewed not one, but two James Bonds? Two James Bonds, yes. George Lazenby, who made one Bond movie, and um, Roger Moore, who, ma- who made quite a few. And then at the airport, at Gatwick Airport in London, I was there for a conference, and... So I'm getting my luggage off the carousel, and I look over, and I see Sean Connery and his wife. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm trying to be nonchalant. So I say to the other reporter who went with me, look, look, Vivian, look over there. There's uh, Sean Connery. And it didn't mean that much to her. Yeah. But I, you know, and I wouldn't look, you know, because – but no one was bothering. No one was paying any attention to him. There was no one around him. He was getting his own luggage. Huh. That kind of imp- you know impressed yeah, me. That yeah. yeah, but you didn't say anything. No. <laughs> um, what other? I mean, I asked Sandy what when I prompted her a few minutes ago, trying to think of memorable stories, which I I admit I can't think of what I wrote two days ago so it would be hard to think of 50 years of stories and sandy looked at um our database and first thought there were 300 stories which would be she's written far far more than that then realized that would be it, since 1998 right then you realized it was 3,000 so yes. you weren't going to go through them no. all and that Torture. and to truly capture the uh um number of stories since 69 would be involved microfilm i wonder i wonder how many stories you've written in 50 years i mean Tens of thousands. Probably. I mean, but, probably. so this is a very unfair question to, um, you know, like I said, I can't remember what I wrote last week, but do you have favorite stories, favorite events or people, anything that I haven't brought up yet? I can name one that got a lot of attention. I heard from a lot of readers, and it was the Yellow Water nuclear uh, where they stored nuclear weapons at Yellow Water, which was across from Cecil Phil. And it was a big, big secret mm. at, at the time. Um, it was guarded, you know, by um, men with M16s, and it had barbed wire on the top, and it was just hush-hush. And it was outed by some British magazine, I believe, but at that point, I think it had been deactivated and the nuclear weapons had been removed. Hmm. And I'd had the opportunity on tours to go there about three different times. And you could still see some of the igloos uh, where they had been stored. And so after I wrote that story and the history of it, um, <clears throat> I heard from people who said, hey, you know, we served there, mm. and we weren't allowed to talk, and we weren't allowed, you know, to tell anyone. And when the weapons were being removed, they even, like, stopped the traffic, you know, mm. so they could not see what was uh, being taken away. And they were not allowed to 
like when they delivered supplies, you know, they were not allowed to say anything. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I'll have to go back and read that one. Sandy's a wealth of these stories that I often haven't even heard. So I love picking your brain for, do you remember this or that? Um, And some too, it's been a little bit like reliving my childhood (laughs) because the history columns that I do, you know, are are places that I may have gone as a child. Mm. And so you relive that again are places that I wanted to go. And I now have the opportunity to find, you know, their, their roots and explore them again. Mm -hmm. You had, um, there was a reference to you covered a Beastie Boys trial. Is this true? It's true. (laughs) It is true. It was in the old post office, which became the old federal um, courthouse. And I only attended one day. I don't remember how long the trial lasted. Maybe it was only a day. But I was very nervous because I had never been, you know, covered the courts before. And I did it one other time after that. And of all the trials to cover, the exactly. Beastie Boys. Yes. And what was the do? You, what was the story? What? Why did a trial involve? It had to do with obscenities and their lyrics, I believe. And I, you know, I don't remember the outcome. I don't remember that much about it. Maybe I was so traumatized. <laughs> and having to cover it that I blocked it out of my mind. But I don't think they reached a verdict or anything when I, mean, I was there. Yeah, there's a certain certain irony even there because we, we joke that uh, you know newsrooms are known for some salting language. I'm guessing they always have been. But Sandy is kind of the, the, the sweet one in the newsroom that we do not hear that. Has that always, always been the case? That, oh, yes. Oh, but, of yes. course, we have none of that now. Because my um, Sandy didn't take the bait on that. Oh no, we don't. <laughs> uh, I tell you, but I was brought up that you did not swear, and it stuck with me. Yeah, yeah. So there you are covering. So I never Beastie did Boys. Have. Uh, yes, uh, yes. No, we've never. I think one time, what was it? Sandy said heck or something. I don't remember what it was, and you apologized right away. That's not what it was, but it was something in that genre. It may have been rats. Rats, yeah, that might have been it. Sandy apologized for saying rats. So, um, anyway, so you've you've covered through these 50 years a little bit of everything. I mean, like you said, from crime to um, celebrities to... Um, I think, you know, it's education. You've had so many different beats. I uh, have health, infrastructure, the gamut. Yeah. Really. And the last, is it seven years you've been doing Callbox? Is that seven cool? years. And that's a very popular feature, just kind of in your history column. And just the, um, I think people gobble that up. I mean, I hear from readers all the time that say how much they enjoy that and um, do you have again I'm asking you to do you have favorite favorite call boxes that you can think of questions or things you've dug into that um, were fun I, I always write like I like writing history type things because I like 
kind of the research part of it. And you do a wonderful job. Yeah. Um, there have been some fun ones, a lot of fun ones. There was the monkey farm in Orange Park that had the chimps. Really, it raised chimpanzees and did ch- uh, research. And one time, I think a chimp escaped, hmm. and there was a Boy Scout camp nearby, Camp Chakati, I think it was. And then they would try to scare the boys by telling ghost stories at night, you know, and that, hey, one of the baboons or chimps was going to come and, you know, attack them, which, of course, never happened. <laughs> right. And, you know, there was Big Joe the Alligator in the Hemming Park uh, Pond time. There was Miss Congo, the city's gorilla. There was Miss Chick, the town elephant at the zoo uh, in her Art Deco house. There was um, the Springfield Pool, the Springfield Library, which was in an old house. Because, you know, I had been to those places. There was the um, Bailey's where the um, waitresses were on roller skates. (laughs) And there was... um, the Crystal, which was a popular place. In fact, so many uh, teenagers would circle the Crystal that they finally put up a sign, do not turn left to re-enter the Crystal, hmm. but nobody paying attention to it. <laughs> and then there was the um, the Russian spy. Mm-hmm. He was an American, but he spied for the Russians. But it, <clears throat> fortunately, he didn't do a very good job. He was kind of bumbling, and he was caught. And... Um, there was a 666 building, which I always wondered about. You know, you would see it at the foot of the Acosta Bridge, and it turned out to be um, not really related to the Mark of the Beast. And it was, uh, I think it was the um, the patent number. It just happened to be that. Hmm. And, you know, there was the, um, oh, goodness, there were just so many. There was a man buried alive with snakes, a promotional stuff. <laughs> For shopping center, and um, there was the admiral's daughter. Um, she became an actress, Victoria Fyodorova. But when her father was stationed in Russia, he had an affair with her mother, who was a famous Russian actress, and he never knew that he had a daughter. And it became an international incident. And they were brought together, and she came. He, he was living here, and she came here to visit him. Hmm. Then married a pilot and made a couple of movies. There was the, you know, orphanages, and one woman who had, who had just such striking memories of growing up at St. Mary's home, and she had such a memory for detail and just captured the life of what it was like and actually I think she had a better life there perhaps than she might have had at home Uh, there was Cohen's which is now City Hall and that was so meaningful to so many people I will never get over the closing (laughs) of that store which you know spanned the whole block Mm. and it's Christmas windows were a sight you know visual feast for the eyes i could go on (laughs) you've also done i don't know how long you've been doing this a lot of the our news obits you know we have readers see our obituary page but then often if something's 
newsworthy we have a news obit and um we used, when we had a larger staff we'd do more of them you would do more of them um that's always i think when you're young and in journalism school you just don't think i don't want to i wouldn't want to write obits but now i realize how those often are some of the um, most meaningful stories to people the the ones that um not just family but other people in the community so I'm sure those have the obits you've written through the years have meant a lot to a lot of different people. Um, do you have any of has, has that? What has that been like? Because I'm sure you you've been doing this long enough that you've written obits about a lot of people that you knew. You did, you're not just That's writing true. detached. You're writing about somebody you covered or you knew as a friend. That's true. It's the last thing you can do, you know, for that person. And it can be so gratifying. And when they call you and they thank you, you know, it touches touches your heart. And then it also reminds you of how these people shaped the city you love and the roles that they played. And you're telling their stories. And, and if they have gotten emotional and started crying, then I will get emotional, too. <laughs> And, you know, particularly if you knew the person. And I can remember that I had to do the opit on the man who had hired me um, when I first came to the paper. His name was Elvin Henson. And I was interviewing his son. And I, I was so emotional that he stopped and said, are you okay? He was <laughs> saying that, mm-hmm. you know, to me. Mm-hmm. But we were all fond of him. We called him Papa Bear. Yeah, and you've known probably all the mayors through the years, and all the so many different city councilmen, and yeah, I have. Hayden Burns was mayor when I was growing up, and I never met him, but I did his obit, mm-hmm. and I did a Hans Tanzler's obit, I believe. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I haven't had to do any since then. Yeah. Yep. And I hope I don't. Right. And they hope I don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, not one of those tasks you want, but when you do it, you do it very well and Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to read there's a, a quote in Matt's story that kind of I really liked from Wayne Wood, you know, local historian who said um this is the quote, history is not all about wars and famous people and giant events. Sometimes the little stories are the ones that give the most meaning to people who are reading it. And it becomes a record for generations later to see what was the recipe for that famous meringue pie. What happened to that little hotel on Phillips? History is not just about facts. It's about stories. And Sandy tells them so well. I appreciate that so much from Wayne. I didn't even realize that he was going to be interviewed, but I'm glad that he was. And those are very kind words coming from Wayne, who is such a good writer and i mean his book is on my uh the coffee table in my den mm-hmm. and i turn to it so often for research it's such an invaluable resource and wayne is such an inv- invaluable person and if i did not have wayne to turn to right, me, it makes my job have. you know easier so i really appreciate but yeah that. i think he has a good point that i mean the, the important um 
You know, it's very important the things we're covering that people in the newsroom right now are covering about um, JEA and school board tax and, and things that maybe you're not you're you're not dipping your feet into at this point. Um, but that doesn't mean you're still documenting a part of this city's story and history, and you have been for fifty years. So I mean, I I feel honored to have worked with you for portion of that the last I guess I'm 18 years here now um, so I wanted to make sure and say that to you um, and I feel honored to work with you because yeah. I admire your work so much nobody can write a column with and, and I get a lot of compliments about your work tell Mark Woods mm-hmm. you know that okay. I enjoyed his column not about me um, but uh, Sandy, if, if readers don't know, is a, because I don't know this if this is reflected, she's a huge Gator fan. Oh, yes. Tim Tebow, Steve Spurrier, um, and you have been Emmett a... Emmett Smith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what we... we uh, that, um, and the, the Jags, you've been a... Have you been a season ticket holder for quite a while? I have been going to the games with my cousin since the inception. So how many games do you every single well, game? It's twenty five years. I've missed a couple, you know, family reunion. But I mean, you're here yeah, and you're, there. You're an example. But not that many. You're so what? Are, yeah, that'll be the next podcast, Sandy, a sports podcast. Uh, what what the Jaguars need to fix the Jaguars? <laughs> I wish I had the answer. <laughs> but anyway, Sandy is a big sports fan. Yeah, don't mess with her Gators. So now, as a Mizzou grad, sometimes I'll come in, and we, I now Mizzou plays for it every so often, so that's been kind of fun. Um, you know, we're writing this 50th anniversary, 50th anniversary story. It's, hopefully people will check out on jacksonville.com, but want to make sure this isn't like a retirement. You're still – you're here – tomorrow, the next day. Um, what are you working on these days? I'm working on the history columns, the call box columns. In fact, I'm turning in a call box column today, and I'm writing about a restaurant for my next history column. I find that people are are interested in food. Well, who is it? But they want to know about all these restaurants you know that they went to decades ago and what happened to them and you know they just want to relive the experience and people just love nostalgia right and and the other thing i'd say about you is you're this extremely hard worker we often i mean i've seen numerous editors through the years say sandy go home or you know that you're here so late you're working so many hours and you're still working hard it's not like you've slowed down because you've been doing this for 50 years what do you how long do you want to keep doing this you know i haven't set a time and i think it's when you come to the point when you'll know when you're no longer being as effective as you were so i can't set a time mm-hmm. time on that well i'm not i'm hoping you'll be here in the newsroom a long long time but i Thank also you. hope you will also yeah make sure and get out and, and continue and enjoy the gators and i know you go on a cruise every so often you have my your, sister loves to go on cruises yes, yes. So. so i i go with her i'm always happy yeah when you i'm 
happy when you're in the newsroom, but I'm always happy to hear when you're getting away from the newsroom, too. And I do a lot, too, with, with my former classmates from from high school. We take trips together. <laughs> we get together for lunch. And, well, Sarah, and, you know, known yeah, her since junior high. and You've seen, yeah, you've seen some changes in the city, and that was one of the things I was going to ask you, how newsrooms have changed in 50 years well we're no longer on manual royal manual typewriters and that's a good thing when i think of you know pecking at those keys you'd have to hit them so hard so computers uh that at first we were a little you know fearful of them but then we warmed to the technology when we saw how how easier it was but we've been through so many different writing systems yeah. and just when you master one you get another so i think i have been full circle several times <laughs> as far as change is concerned that's for sure and um videos taking your own pictures um writing your own headlines uh, there have been so many changes i don't think that we could ever have really dreamed of this many yeah yes and then when i we no longer have our archives our archives are stored in the library so we i make weekly trips there and, and each time i will look around me and i'll think it's really bittersweet in a way when i walk around downtown because i'll i'll think well this store was here this store was there and now they're all gone and um when I think of the way that it used to be, and so vibrant, it's a different kind of vibrancy now, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's been the ongoing. How do we? I don't know that it'll ever go back to those department stores it it, won't. like that, but hopefully a, a different kind of vibrancy uh, eventually. Yeah, we've been talking about that for quite a while. Um, well. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I mean, I've been wanting to have Sandy do this podcast with me, like I said, ever since I started doing it. And this was a wonderful excuse. And I'll have to, I don't know, have you back when there's a fun call box or whatever waited too long. See, this wasn't too painful, was it? Not at all. I could go on for it. Sandy didn't wasn't sure she wanted to do this. She said, can we do it tomorrow, the next day? No, she was... Very willing, but thank you very much, Sandy. Thank th- you. Thank, thank you for the kind words. Yes, and thank you from all of us in the newsroom and far outside the newsroom for all you've done in the last 50, 50 years. We really appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate that. Okay. Okay.